Today's episode is brought to you by Musical Theatre Radio's Merch Store. Looking for that perfect gift for someone or just want to treat yourself to some great musical theatre themed merch? Head to musicaltheaterradio.com and click on the All Things Theatre button on the homepage and check out all the different designs available. And now, today's interview. Welcome back to another episode of Be Our Guest here on Musical Theatre Radio. I am your host, as always, Jean-Paul Yovanoff. Today is another Discover a New Musical edition, where you, the listener, and me, the host, get to learn about a new show together. Brain Hemingway is about a blocked playwright with a looming deadline and is haunted by the subject of her last failed show. Ernest Hemingway. Today, we will be talking with Aaron Murray Quinlan and learn a little bit more about their life and their musical, Brain Hemingway. Aaron, hello and welcome. Hello. Thank you for having me. No problem. All right. Before we get into the show and, and talking about that, we want to get to know who you are. We want to get to know who Aaron is. So I always ask for a 30 second bio. So my question is who is Aaron in 30 seconds? Oh, my goodness. Aaron Murray Quinlan is a Berkeley educated musical theater writer who also is an amateur beekeeper um, who also is a new civil war buff who also enjoys embroidery and horror films who also volunteers at the zoo sometimes um, <laughs> um this is a really hard uh, who is American who is Looking at a, a stuffed Cthulhu on her shelf, who is being bothered by one of her two dogs currently. Part of me wants to not talk about the musical and just about everything else we talked about that you just mentioned. But you know what? This is about the musical. So we'll we'll put oh, the God. beekeeping in Cthulhu on the back burner for now. <laughs> but so actually, I'm I'm curious, were you always into musicals growing up, or is that something you discovered a little bit later in life? Um, I was always into musicals. I remember, uh, I always remind my mom about the time that I was watching The Sound of Music and she said I had to go to bed after the next commercial and it was right after 16 going on 17 and I thought that was just the cruelest thing you could do to a child. <laughs> um, my my grandparents were really, really into Rodgers and, Hammer and Hammerstein so I would go down and see them in the Carolinas and watch, um, you know, The King and I in Oklahoma and I, I just loved them. Um and growing up not too far outside of New York City um, for a lot of Christmases, that was a, a present to go and see a show. So my first show was actually The King and I at the Neil Simon. And um, we'd try to get there every year. And then when I was living there, I was seeing a lot of things. So it's, it's been a lifelong um, love, I guess. Right. Well, my, my question is, the burning question is, did you ever find out how The Sound of Music ends? Never. <laughs> Well, I won't ruin it for you then. No, that's the kind of that's the kind of movie where if once it's over, I seriously considered just putting it on again. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's definitely one of my one of my guilty pleasures for sure. So, uh, you're always like you said, you're into musicals. What what took you out to Berkeley? Um, I'm not sure. I I think that. I have a lot of moments in my life where I've just decided, okay, that's what I'm going to do. And I remember driving past Berkeley when I was visiting my uncle in Boston and I'm just saying, okay, that is where I will go. That looks good. <laughs> so, and, and what did you go for? 
Um, so I was there for, I think, originally film scoring. And then I ended up doing the um, professional music degree, which I called the shake and bake degree because they kind of let you build it yourself mm. where um, you worked with somebody um, to to kind of help you create what you wanted to do. And at the time, they didn't have a musical theater writing degree, which they do now. Um, so I took a lot of creative writing. I took um, I think playwriting and I took a lot of songwriting classes to kind of build my own musical theater degree. Very cool. So let's jump into the show then. What was that eureka moment, that aha moment that made you want to write the show? Um, it was really more of an exercise during COVID because I was just, you know, it was a depressing era. And um, I think you know, when, when you spend a long time working on something about any particular subject, people just assume that that's your whole personality. So like when I was a kid, I loved penguins. And for the rest of my life, people will be giving me penguin things, sending me penguin articles. Um, you know, I'm just penguin girl. So I'm also Ernest Hemingway girl because I wrote this show about Ernest Hemingway 10 years ago. And uh, it also was kind of conflated with, you know, it didn't get great reviews. I had some really bad experiences interviewing people about it and trying to kind of get past the the machismo of Ernest Hemingway. And because of that, I had this really negative association with Ernest Hemingway. And I thought, you know, I'm just going to write a little dialogue between me and Ernest Hemingway the one that's in my head, not even really Ernest Hemingway, just the, the person he's become in my head. And it turned into a whole thing. And I, I was actually really enjoying it. And I found it very cathartic. And I remember just going into my husband's office and saying, hey, guess what? We're going to go to the Edinburgh French and you're going to play Hemingway. And it's, <laughs> it's going to be great. Um, yeah. And so luckily he went along with that. <laughs> so you said you started writing it during the pandemic. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. And, and, you know, you're not so many stories I've heard <laughs> about that just because we all had time, time in our hands with not anything yeah. else to do. But it was hard. It was really hard. I mean, that was the last thing I wanted to do during the pandemic mm -hmm. was anything. Yeah. Cause I felt so like, ugh, what is anything? Yeah. What's the point of anything? My sourdough starter isn't turning out at all. What am I supposed to do with myself? Um, but that was nice because it was, you know, the show is very much about me talking to the version of myself that is just her most pathetic. Yeah. And so, so I didn't have to reach too far for that during that time. <laughs> so, so you wrote, did you write everything, book, music, and lyrics? Yep. Yep. So uh, what was that experience like? Have you written a musical before that? And, and if not, what was that? Um, so I have been writing musicals since I was in middle school. Um, but I, my first one that was produced was my senior year of high school, where I did a, a, a musical version of Sense and Sensibility for a senior project. Um, and since then, I've, I've had a few productions. I've had things produced in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Um, the, the biggest one was uh, off-Broadway. I had a show called God Save Queen Pam a few years ago. So yeah, I've been, musical theater has been my, um, I guess, how I express things since I was a kid. And, I, and I've been lucky to be able to do that. Um, this one, because it's also about writing musical theater, uh, was really interesting. It wasn't as structured as some things. Um, 
I think a lot about writing as architecture or gardening. And a lot of the writing I've done in the past has been architecture because, you know, you, you have a definite beginning, middle, end. Um, you have all of these, all of the scaffolding you have to put up. Um, this show has been much more gardening where you have these two characters in a room and sometimes they do things you don't expect them to do or you just have to let them tell you where you're going with it. Um, and, and that's interesting for a musical because usually you want to have an idea of where, where the song's going to go. Uh, but because this is also about writing musicals, you know, uh, the songs can kind of go wherever, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's talk about the creative team and the cast. Tell us a little bit about them. Um, so the director is Paul Boyd, who you have had on your show before. Mm -hmm. um, uh, he, he's had a lot of shows most recently at the Lyric Belfast. He, he does a lot of stuff for their, um, their Christmas programs and just writes amazing work. And he's uh, been my mentor for several years with some of my other musical theater stuff. And this is the first time that he's directed something that I've worked on. So that's been really, really um, valuable. He's... Uh, his ability to kind of turn off the writer and turn on the director and then turn off the director and turn on the writer is really, um, I mean, I wish I had that kind of skill. So he, he's just been so valuable in the process. Um, and then my husband, Evan, is playing Ernest Hemingway. Excuse me. Um, Evan's playing Ernest Hemingway uh, for the second time. And um, he was also in my show, God Save Queen Pam. Uh so it's been nice to, it, it makes it easier because then we're just in the same house and when we want to rehearse, we can rehearse. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's been really fun to, to work with both of them. And how did you meet Paul? Facebook. <laughs> really? um, and I don't, I, I don't, I, I'm not on Facebook really. Uh, this was years ago. Some, someone said, oh, I know this guy, Paul, who's looking for people to, to mentor and um, I was going to be in London. And so I said, oh, me, 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 me. And he's he's um, been kind of a, an editor and a guide and a mentor since then on everything I've worked on since we met. And this show is was in the Edinburgh Festival last year, I believe. Yes. Mm -hmm. well, how has it changed? How tell us a little bit about how it's changed. <clears throat> um. That's a good question, because really, I'm supposed to be working on the draft and I haven't been doing that. Uh, so <laughs> I don't know how it's changed. I think I think it's going to have a little bit um, more structure. I think I got a lot of really good feedback as far as what it needs. I'm hoping that in that process, I don't lose too much of what people liked about it. But that's always something you risk when you're rewriting. Um, I, I think... It will have the same heart. Uh, it just might be a little bit uh, better structured, I would say. And and there's a little bit more music, and a and and 100% more stage magic. <laughs> when you when you saw it last year, because I know it hasn't gone. It it's about a month away from from this next iteration. Uh, what did you discover while watching it during the rehearsals and the run at Edinburgh? Was there anything that surprised you that either the, the actors brought, the director brought, or the audience reacted to that you went, oh, I did not see that coming? Um, well, yeah, there there were so many things. Um, a good deal of them pleasant. Uh, so I actually play myself in it. 
Um, I play myself and, and Evan plays Hemingway and those are the two characters. Uh, I think because I'm so straightforward about my bad reviews or, you know, these kind of traumatizing situations elsewhere, um, it was it made it difficult to be on the stage and say those things, but it also made it a little bit easier because at some point you just have to say, well, this is my experience and I don't know what you want if you don't like this, because this, this if you don't like it, then it's just me and I don't know what to do about it. Uh, and there's something freeing in that. Um, but Paul brought so much to it. Uh, he, he has an ability to find places of humor without making it kind of corny um but he also he's really good at at kind of sewing in these moments of continuity that i wouldn't have done before um things like uh you know mention mention this here or maybe do this here because then it gets called back there and then you put something in the audience's mind and um that's excuse me that's just so valuable and that's i i've never directed my own work because I don't have that ability to kind of stand back and look at something and be that person for myself. Um, and, and Paul made it um, into a, a much more cohesive, I think, moving show. So I'm really excited for once I finish this potential draft, which I definitely will. Um, <laughs> I'm excited to see what he comes up with for that. Let's talk. I'd love to hear a little bit your, your experience just the Edinburgh Festival in general. And we were talking off air a little bit about it, but what's mm -hmm. that, what's that like going there with your show? Uh, last year we had no idea what we were doing. Um, you can't, you know that it's the the biggest theater festival in the world. You know that there are 3000 shows. Um, I think the, the best thing for us to do was kind of not think about, Oh, we're competing with 3000 shows more like you're there with 3000 shows. And that's, really the vibe of the whole thing. Um, everybody is really um, just so welcoming and uh, everybody wants to see everybody else's shows. Everybody wants to support each other. Um, it, it just feels like a commune. And even though there, there are so many people there, it, it feels like a little, a little creativity cocoon. Um, and I, and I know people who have had bad experiences because they, they go with different expectations. Um, you know, maybe playing to an audience of two, which is definitely something most of us have to do at some point, um, isn't what they thought about, especially because it's so expensive now um, to do a show. It's so it, the, the accommodation is ridiculously expensive. A lot of the venues are really expensive. And then if you wanna do marketing, if you wanna do PR, if you want, if you have to hire people, um, it can be really prohibitive and that's unfortunate. Um, but if, if you're lucky enough to be able to do it and you go and you just say, okay, one night I'm going to have five people, one night I'm going to have, you know, maybe 10 people, maybe one night I'm going to have two people. Um, and enjoying that for what it is, uh, that those are the, the types of people who I think have the best time. Very cool. Yeah. It's, it's something I think, I'd like I said to you off air, I got to experience and go over and, and you got to go. You got to go. And everybody has to. Unfortunately, it's so far away <laughs> from us here in North America. That doesn't help any, but it is. Oh, well. So I guess it's time for the important who, what, where, why, and how do we learn more about the show? What are the socials to learn more about you and it, et cetera? 
Sure. So um, we're on brainhemingway.com. Um, that's our official website that has a lot of our um, our handles and things on it. Tawny Dog Productions is where we are on Instagram and TikTok and um, I think Twitter, we're Brain Hemingway. Um, TikTok, we've been doing a lot of uh, kind of ridiculous um, drunk Hemingway videos where I drink a bunch of Hemingway specials and then try to tell stories about Ernest Hemingway and um, they're they're pretty ridiculous. So that's a good reason to go. Nice. Uh, well, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us today and telling us a little bit. But before we go, before we go, I do have two questions uh, that are in the back of my mind after talking to you. A, did Evan have to audition? And what was that audition like? Um, he did not have to audition. Oh. He. Uh, what's really nice about being married to your collaborator is that you don't have to pay him. And <laughs> he'll, he'll do the dishes. Um <laughs> Yeah, I would, I would, I would never make him audition unless I was feeling really, really spiteful for some reason. But he's, he's a genuinely, it's not nepotism. He's, he's a genuinely good actor. That's how we met. I met him when uh, he was acting in a show that I was writing the music for. So, um, yeah, no. <laughs> so that's that's the key to everybody. Whether you are creating a show or want to be in a show, have a partner. <laughs> who... That's why, why do you think the Von Trapps work so well? The overhead is so low. <laughs> Nice. It all comes back to the sound of music. <laughs> <laughs> and my second question, I guess, is if you had to write a musical about bees or penguins, which one would you choose? Oh, it'd be bees. I love oh. bees. Hmm. Um, they're so be, because there there's so much about them. There's so much um interesting conflict, I guess. In the wintertime, they push out all of the males um so that they don't eat the food. There's um you know, my my hive swarmed recently and watching their behavior with that. Um, there there are lots of, I think penguins have had their musical already. So I would also True. not want to crowd the market with, with penguin musicals. So definitely bees. Very smart from a marketing standpoint. Mm-hmm. <laughs> penguins are so like 2012 yeah. or whatever <laughs> that was. I don't even remember. Um, Aaron, again, thank you for coming on. Congratulations on writing the show. All the best. <laughs> with the run and uh yeah please please keep in touch because we'd love to see where the show goes once it's uh, done at the edinburgh festival thank you so much for talking to me we were just speaking with aaron marie quinlan the creator of brain hemingway which is running august 4th to the 26th at the greenside and nicholson square fern studio at the edinburgh fringe festival tune in next week as we'll speak with another guest or guest about their life love and passion that is musical theater i am your host as always jean paul jovanoff and until next time i'll see you when i see you <laughs>